Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we are watching... The Dark Knight, as it turns ten years old. And joining me, as always, we have somebody who has seen the film, and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, and returning for the first time in over a year, it's Sam Knox, everybody! Hello, everyone! How are you, Sam? I'm good. How and are you? I am well. <laughs> um, and just a reminder for the folks at home, Sam, um, who are you, and what do you do? Um, my name's Sam, and I'm a uni student. I'm currently currently studying... Uh, props and scenery at Whopper, and I like to party. You like to party? <laughs> Not really. I'm drinking tea and I'm a little bit sick. So. Oh well, okay. Well, we'll well we'll party it up a little bit later on uh, because our other guest, it's his birthday the day we're recording this. Happy birthday, Scott McArdle. Hola, cómo estás? And uh, how are you, Scott? I'm very well. Yes, and you've turned the big 25. I have, because 10 years ago I was 15 when I saw this movie seven (laughs) times. It is The Dark Knight. Um, It is... I'm just going to lay my cards out on the table. This might be my favourite film. Oh. Full stop. Um, It's certainly my favourite comic book film. um, Mm. Or, you know, film that's been adapted from it. I've recently gone through and watched a lot of the Marvel films and very much enjoyed it. Um... I obviously, you know, Wonder Woman was a great film last year, but for me, oh, oh you varying you, thoughts on that movie. Okay, okay, that's fair. But but in terms of like what stands out for me as being like the pinnacle of of comic book materials adapted to film, I think it's this film. Now, Sam, <laughs> you've not only not seen this film, you've never seen a Batman film. I've never seen any of the Batman. But he's the best of the X Men. <laughs> Don't put those lies in the head. Um, so, so what? I'm curious. What do you know about Batman in general? Um, I know that he goes, "I'm the Batman." Yeah, he's the Batman. Yes. Yeah, not Batman. It's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I know that his parents died, but that's that's kind of aren't all superheroes sort of tortured in that way that they dead parents? A fair, a fair few are. Never become a parent. Yeah. Because you will die That's for your child to become cooler than you. I try to engage in pop culture, and I try to engage in all these films, but for some reason I've just missed them. So so you know pretty much nothing about this specific film? I know that Heath Ledger is in it. Mm-hmm. I know that um, there's a Batman in it. Yep. <laughs> the Batman. As you... I went to the Heath Ledger um, exhibit in mm. the in Perth recently, and I saw a lot of sort of stuff from the film. Mm. I thought it was amazing, but probably didn't hit me as hard as maybe some other people who had seen the film. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Scott, um, 
you similarly are a big fan of this film. Mm. Um, what, in a non-spoilery sort of way, what is it that you enjoy about The Dark Knight? Christopher Nolan is like a really interesting author when it comes to film. Um, and whereas I, I do love the Marvel films, and the Marvel films for me work because they all link up. Whereas if you look at them individually, their structure is super formulaic um, and really safe. Whereas Chris Nolan works in a really, as a lot of us know, non-linear way, Memento in- Inception. Um, oh. And he, yes, yeah, so the guy who did that did this, did this Batman Learned trilogy. things as we speak. And um, this movie is just unpredictable. Uh, it's funny. It's subtle and realistic. It, it, it's a... It's a mafia film. Mm. It is. It is a guy up against the mafia. It feels like an Al Pacino era, era Scarface mm. era film. Yeah, and that's reading Batman growing up and and these big superheroes, seeing it really quite rooted in the here and now, um, and really quite believable is pretty incredible. Um, that you don't have to suspend your disbelief too much. It's got an incredible cast. It really does. It's Man. yeah. It's it's. I mean, should we just jump into it? We should just jump into Although, it. Although I haven't seen the film beforehand, so I was wondering if perhaps someone could give me a brief synopsis of Batman Begins. Oh yes, obviously, because this is the second of the Nolan trilogy. Yeah. Um, in, in in let's say in layman's terms, please. Let's say in a sentence. Uh, can you? Scott, uh, give us a one-sentence rundown <laughs> of Batman Begins. Orphan millionaire joins ninja cult and quickly betrays them after learning all he can, comes back to city to uh, bridge the class divide and wow. ninja cult comes and tries to kill him. Via Liam Neeson. Look, I didn't think that there would be as many ninjas, but <laughs> he's trained. Like he's a ninja. He is Batman. Is a ninja. Mm. Okay. Cool. Um, ninja, but ninja you've missed Batman. Liam Neeson. That's um, true. But it's Cillian okay. Murphy's also very good in that movie. He is. He's my favorite subplot. But yes. Uh, but I'm sure we can always. We'll get her hooked on this one, and then we'll give her Batman Begins <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, That's I think like. Oh. I think I watched this one before watching Batman Begins. Actually, I know. Oh. I did. And you were saying that I know I needed to see this one. All right, I do agree okay. on that. But I remember. Oh yeah, because I remember watching Batman Begins on TV mm. years ago. Mm. But I think it was after I saw The Dark Knight. Oh, that's really bad of me. Feels Sorry. like this is the right way to go. I apologize. Well, well the, I did it the wrong way. Yeah. Well, I I did it The Dark Knight first, um, and. I'm going to stand by that as a good choice. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be good watching Batman Begins first, but The Dark Knight, I think, is such a good standalone film. You don't suffer from not knowing as much of that. Batman Begins really flew on the radar when it came out, mm. like at the cinemas, whereas Dark Knight, Heath Ledger, the controversy really did put this movie in the spotlight. Mm. Um, so people flocked to it. Along with the seen... success of the first film as well, in terms of like, it was critically acclaimed Batman. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you listening at home, uh, pop in your DVDs and hide all the pencils as far away from you as you can as we prepare to watch The Dark Knight.
welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching The Dark Knight. And I'm of course joined once again by Mr. Scott McArdle. Hola. Happy birthday. And uh, Sam Knox. I'm the Batman. You certainly are. <laughs> Sam, that was your first time watching The Dark Knight. What did you think? Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. It was so good and I'm still processing it. And you guys will know I was very vocal throughout the whole movie. Extremely vocal. Um, <laughs> it was it was a ride and a half just watching <laughs> Sam experience this film. Oh, my brain. I just, I love Batman. He's such a good guy. Mm. So, they, they, I mean, that was your first Batman film. So your overall... It was my imp- first of the Batman. Yeah, but your overall impression of Batman as a, as a character, as a concept is, is positive. He's a top bloke. Top bloke. Top bloke. Yeah, good, good, good to know. Top passes the top bloke test. Um, Scott, w- when did you last watch this film? I probably haven't watched this film for about three years now, but this would be like the 20th time that I've, I've seen The Dark Knight. Mm. And um, still holds up? Oh, it's great. It's a good time, <laughs> but I know where there are points where I'm like, oh, I can check my phone for like five minutes now. Yeah. Sal, Sal Moroni is on, is on talking, so unless it's the nightclub scene, I'm going to tune out. How dare you? Eric Roberts is a delight. Uh, but he's like the sub-villain. He's the sub-villain. Oh, he's the he's sub, 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 sub-sub-sub-villain. But he's... Um, He's great. I, I can't believe we're starting with talking about Eric Roberts, but I think he's—I think he plays a pretty damn good mob boss. That's because that's all he plays in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's like the mob boss. He wasn't in the Doctor Who film in the nineties. He was uh, the master. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. And he the was. Master. He was less good in that. I just have to say. But what? What do you mean? <laughs> well, it's a masterpiece. Oh, uh, it's a masterpiece. In that it's a piece with the master in it. Um, put him next to Paul McGann. It doesn't work. Anyway, Dark Knight. Um, it, it, it's it's tremendous fun, and I think Sam, the main thing we we had experiencing this film with you is that <laughs> it's a long film that just doesn't let you rest at any point. Not at all. I am stressed. Yeah, I mean, you had to get up and walk around. I had to stand up because I was so tense. And I didn't know what to do, and there were dogs, and I think the dogs got hurt, which is the biggest tragedy of the film. Mm. Yeah, future John Wick sat to our to our left here. Um, but they were bad dogs, though. They were well, bad like, dogs. Good no, guy dogs. No, but there are no bad dogs, just bad owners. Well, they had very bad owners. Exactly. That, you know, the exactly. Ch- but he got fed to them, so it's okay. Yeah, they pooped him out. It was all good. <laughs> yeah, the film is it's a marathon in itself. We are at the halfway point, mm. and like there was a the scene where they shoot everybody, which is a lot of the scenes. <laughs> the scene, you know, the scene that I'm talking about, where we stop the movie. Um, the, where they shoot Gary. Uh, oh, where the, the, yeah. the, um, it's the funeral for Commissioner Loeb yeah. Yeah. in the street with David Dasmalchian. Yes, that, that one comes 64 minutes into the film because that's where we paused it for a wee break. Because so much had happened. Yeah, and we weren't... a very small break. And we weren't... Break. Yes, yes, for our <laughs> Scottish listeners, it was a small break. Uh, but it was also... It, we weren't even halfway through the film. And... That was the thing I forgot watching this, is just how densely packed it was. And I can really understand now, obviously with it being 10 years old, I saw this film, I think the week it came out, as an 18-year-old film student. And I now understand why my little little mind was rocked so much by this film, because I adored this film. And I, I still do. I, 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 but I, I'm aware that it was very much just... It's a masterfully made film. It is very well put together... It is. It's well scripted with loads of dialogue, which has carried through to to the modern day, still in the zeitgeist. You know things like, you either die a hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Um, you know a lot of the Joker's dialogue. You know things like, you know, I'm just a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I got it. Um, it's supremely well acted. 
and it's just it's a very tense film like you say like even oh knowing what's going to happen that tension that combination of the performance and the Hans Zimmer soundtrack and everything that wraps up this film it, it is it's just two and a half hours of like a wire being pulled very tight and mm. then struck felt my early warning signs the entire time mm. um it does start with like a classic heist bank robbery scene um, yeah it, it's like the like playing payday mm. yeah yeah a payday before there was payday i can't uh, even remember that part it's yeah so long ago the, well, yeah the bus driver and they all shoot each other and there's the guy and the grenades yeah. and the yeah. yeah, but he did. That wasn't a real movie. grenade. That was a smoke grenade. No. But the other, but the other uh, people in the bank were given grenades to hold. Whether or not they were real, we don't know. But we're going to assume that they were. They looked real. it because they were the the classic round. Yeah, frag Ooh, grenades. I don't know my grenades very well. Mm. Well, I that's know. good. <laughs> I know mine so well. <laughs> but yeah, so we start off and we're introduced to this. Um, you know, these these criminals are all like talking about the Joker, like who's this guy think he is, Ooh, that kind of thing. And yeah, then you think you can sit out and get a slice of the money? Mm. Little do they know. He's amongst them, and he—that's a great reveal. <laughs> yeah, it's like such a good opening scene. Mm. It's just so lovely, yeah, pulling off the mask, and you know the—I'm uh, um, gonna attempt the voice. Hold on, <clears throat> whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you mask pull music. Stranger, it's—it's it's fun. I like all his um physical movements. That was the thing I noticed mm. when I first saw him in the mask mm. at the bank heist. Was just the way he moved his head and his physical movements that mm. made him. So, uh, I suppose, special yeah. in that scene. Everything else was quite uh, jagged and, and jolty, whereas mm. he was kind of like this smooth character that would sort of gently move through the scene. He was this calmness that was there, even mm. despite the crazy that was going on around him. Yeah, and I think I think we might as well start by looking at Heath Ledger's performance because, obviously, um, this... This is his most iconic role. Um, he for, won the Academy Award, didn't he? Yeah, he was posthumously, posthumously yeah. awarded the Academy Award for playing this part for Best Supporting Actor. And I do often wonder, when thinking about this film, whether or not, had Heath Ledger not died before this film came out, whether or not he would have gotten that sort of acclaim, for example. Whether or not he would have gotten an Academy Award. Um, I think it's a fantastic performance, and I think it's certainly worthy of the various awards that he did receive, even though they were obviously all posthumous. But I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Do you think it... I want to look up who the other nominees were, and then I can make an educated <laughs> guess. Okay. Um, guess there. Well, uh, while we let uh, Scott um, and that police car that was going past <laughs> um, do their thing, Sam, Yes. I would just sort of like to pick your brains about uh, about the Joker. Yeah. What was it that most fascinated you about the character and Heath Ledger's performance. Mostly that he's just committing all these heinous, heinous crimes, but I still liked him. He was still a really uh, charismatic mm. uh, person on the screen to watch. Mm. So I like you watch him kind of. I didn't actually watch the part where he slammed the person's head on the pencil because these two boys were very kind and censored that for me. Yes. Um, you were you were very worried about that, even though obviously it's shot in a way where you don't see a pencil enter somebody's eye socket, but still, <laughs> you know, it's you know it's fair enough. It is, seeing that for the first time in the cinema, my reaction was definitely, whoa! Like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, which I just realized was a very John King reaction, but yeah, that, that was... <laughs> <laughs> but it was. It was, that, it was that big woo noise. Um, yeah. And it was, it was shocking. And I think that, that part of the reason why... I think it was just like a perfect mixture of so many things. Um, as well as 
the fact that you had a very talented performer in Heath Ledger yeah. really throwing himself into the character. You had um, you had the fact that the Joker just looks so different to everything mm. else in this film. It's a very dark film. It's very gritty. It's quite realistic in a lot of senses. But then you've got this person in like bright white makeup and yeah. uh, purple and red clothing, and you know just just looks so alien to this world um and then you also you know you have the very distinctive voice and it's and and also the character of the joker themselves within batman has always been a very interesting um antithesis to batman himself and i think it was just a perfect combination of things which is part of the reason why this film works so so well and it's also like at the end of the film i'm still thinking like He's neither good nor bad. Obviously, he does some very, very bad things, but mm. he poses all these moral, ethical questions mm. more than anything. He he uh, tricks people, and I suppose that's the Joker in itself. Mm. But um, yeah, also I think that like, I think what makes him lovable is the things that you would you and I I felt like you were picking up mm. on is like he's dressed as a nurse, and he goes and he gets the hand sanitizer and he washes his hands before leaving the hospital, and just mm. those little. I don't almost human things that you're like, oh, huh. and you go, I do that. I wash my hands with hand sanitizer. I'm yeah. dress as a nurse and blow up hospitals. <laughs> yeah, um, you do have an ID. Do you have the true. list of the other? I do. Nominees? It's an interesting list. Mm-hmm. So the year that Heath Ledger won, uh, the other nominees were Josh Brolin for Milk, Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder, Philip Seymour Hoffman for Doubt, and Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road. Okay, and I think. Like the big contender in there is like Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. or even Michael Shannon, Revolutionary Road. But I actually, I think that Heath Ledger still would have gotten it for this okay. role. I think Robert Downey Jr. should never have been nominated for <laughs> Black Fate. Yeah, we can get onto that when we do the Tropic Thunder episode. Oh, but, um, oh, but yeah, it's, I mean, but it is such an interesting performance, uh, but, but it is coloured. Uh, particularly at the time, it was coloured, obviously, by the fact watching it, this was someone who had died six months previously. Yeah. And who was only 28 when he died. He was... It was very sudden. It was, um, like, it was an overdose on, like, sleep pills? Sleeping pills? Yeah, on, like, prescription meds. Yeah. And it was it was very tragic. And then, then you've got the fact that it's tied in with this character who, you know, is mentally unstable and obviously it linked to lots of things saying you know oh it was playing the joker that killed him and you and you know you've had people coming out that were in his personal life saying probably not like like his family uh, and his sister who he was very close to specifically said no no he was you know he was working on the imaginary of dr Panassis. he was really looking forward to doing stuff he had yeah. uh his young daughter in matilda that he was you know obviously he you know he had a life going on and it was just so unlucky what happened to him that he just he just died in his sleep and but that i think that always lingered over watching the watching of the film in the in in its release and in that first year after it came out i actually found watching it this time because this is the first time i've watched it in about five or six years it was the first time i felt removed from that in that sense like this watching it felt much more like just watching a film with heath ledger just doing a really good acting job it didn't feel as um as pressing the fact that he as had died. Haunting. Yeah, as so soon afterwards. It's still there. Mm. But for me, at least this time watching it, I, I didn't feel that extra layer of stuff that was on top of it. Like when at the end, when he's swinging and saying, you know, I think you and I are going to do this forever, obviously at the time. It's a bit like when we recently had with um, Carrie Fisher in um, Last Jedi, watching somebody who's so recently passed away 
with talking characters. Talking about the future? Yeah, we're talking about their future and talk, we're seeing characters that don't die within the film. You do have this weird feeling watching it. And I didn't have it this time for the first time. You kind of see it as a performance and not as a performance that's linked to the reality outside the film. Yeah. 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 So I guess that's just time doing its thing, yeah. I guess. But yeah, it's it's a phenomenal performance. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. And it's so different to anything else that I've seen from him. To be honest, I haven't seen a lot, but mm. it's fantastic because it's not... I you never I never look at it and go, oh, that's Heath Ledger. You just see him completely as the mm. Joker in yeah. itself, yeah, which I, I think is really impressive. Struggling to see through it yeah. and see him when I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and, you know, obviously Heath Ledger is from Perth. We record this podcast in Perth. We're all Perth people, Perth and about the place. And we all have the same accent. Yeah, we all have the same accent, obviously. And, um, yeah, and, you know, there is that slightly personal connection, you know, that sort of personal community connection to hmm. to Heath Ledger. And the fact that, you know, it, it was a big deal, obviously, his, his death. I remember when he he passed away over here. Like, it was it was very shocking and it was very upsetting, particularly because because he was so young. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I've just realised I'm the same age now as he was when he died. Yeah. Which may be why I've never touched sleeping pills, because now I'm just like, <laughs> ooh, no thank you. But yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's just one of those weird things, I guess. But there is still this film which exists, and the rest of his work. Like, I mean, he was in A Knight's Tale, which I'm not saying is as good as The Dark Knight, but was it's good. It's got fun. a similar title. That's I what we can say about A Knight's Tale. That film. Such a a Dark film. Knight's Tale. It doesn't matter. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, okay, well, let's 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 uh, move on to the actual plot of the film. And uh, we meet uh, Batman for the first time fighting the villain from the last film, the Scarecrow. Batman. Sorry, the Batman. Um, which we realise watching this film, more people refer to the Batman exactly. than Batman. So Sam knocks oh, it right. I don't know if more people I do that. I, I feel like the they do it. People. I feel like they do it like... Three or four notable times. Well, I noticed it, and that's how we should refer to the Batman as the Batman. It's what Harvey Dent did in all the press conferences, and yeah. that was like an official public communication channel. And I'm all about being official and public. Yeah. But Harvey Dent turned out to be a dickhead. Hey. Mm. He just Alfred refers to Batman as or Batman. That's because they're personal friends. We're not friends with with the. I Batman. feel like we are. I feel like we have voice well, into his private life. I just met the Batman, yeah. so I'm. But you already have suffered through what he has, and you know his identity. <laughs> I'm still going to call him the Batman. <laughs> okay, well, I'm the Batman. What are you? <laughs> what are you, Ben Affleck's biggest fan? That next film's going to be called The Batman, isn't it? If they I ever make be- it, the Matt Reeves film. Yeah, I believe it is. Ugh. Anyway, moving on from that to the good the Batman film, uh, we have uh, we have Bruce Wayne's in an interesting position. He's you know he's he's sort of just Batmaning around, you know, going Batman. around beating up criminals, doing his thing. Uh, things are looking pretty rosy. A lot of the the criminals have been put away. He's super rich. He's super rich. He's uh, got but- that prima donna Natalia Natasha. Oh, the Natasha. Russian ballerina. He's got yeah, a house yeah, yeah. that has no walls, just mm. a modesty glass. Yeah, and he's um, and you know he's got Alfred. Is there like coming to serve him breakfast and he's like oh he's not in bed he must be in the secret cave and <laughs> let me tell you about this bandit that we burned a forest down for yeah. i'm still a good guy though even though i have this dodgy past we never explore see yeah see uh, but yeah so we have um bruce wayne who's still he's not exactly it, it his relationship with rachel is quite interesting in this film because obviously rachel carries on from the last film even though the actress has changed she's sort of uh, dumbledored it she's gone from being katie holmes to uh she's far superior to uh, maggie gyllenhaal you prefer the maggie gyllenhaal oh for sure i was really skeptical going in when i was 15 um 
about it and was like, what? You're not... I know you from Donnie Darko. Mm. You're the sister who tells him to suck a f- um, <laughs> Sorry, suck a beep. No, no, um, no, no, it's fine. Uh, and then I remember, I, I remember there being talks about like Jake Gyllenhaal playing Batman as well at one point in this instead of Christian Bale, and I was like, oh, how would they kiss their brother and sister? <laughs> and be like, they probably just wouldn't hire Maggie if it was yeah. Jake. <laughs> it's probably somewhere in his contract being like, I can't kiss my sister in the films. <laughs> yeah, interestingly though, Heath Ledger hooked up obviously with Jake in uh, *Brokeback Mountain*, and then oh, come on. It's my favourite Heath Ledger film. Yeah. Apart from this. Yeah. I and haven't then, seen it, but I really want to. I love that movie. Mm. He's very good in it. Um, but yeah, the the yeah the, the relationship is interesting because he's, you know, he's Alfred's like, are oh, you keeping an eye on Mr. Dent for for what he's doing or his social circle? And uh, but he's like, no, I'm not. I don't even like Rachel. <laughs> Do you love her? Do you love her, Mr. White? <laughs> you love her. <laughs> you should just tell her that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they sit in an awful place, Rachel and Bruce, in this. They're both like. Like when he rocks up the restaurant and she's just like, oh, "What a surprise!" You're here. they're just like both like really. It's obvious they're both so in love, but there's something really like Batman is getting between them. Yeah, Batman is the third person in this relationship, and, and it's, it's interesting. It's interesting the divide between Batman and Bruce Wayne, and and who is who, and who he really is, and who his facade is, and what he becomes. Um, and I think it's all about this movie is all about transition in so many ways and crossroads and choice, um, and responsibility for your choice. Mm. Um, and Dent obviously leaves it up to chance, which is the coward's way out yeah. of taking responsibility, which mm. Bruce takes responsibility for his actions mm. and for his decisions, and that's why he's our protagonist. Yeah, yeah but we are introduced to this, this Harvey Dent figure, played by Aaron Eckhart, who's you know doing a fantastic job as pretty much everyone else in this film is. Um, his hair's real bad, though. Like, I really <laughs> hate his, like... Blonde, I, flat hair. It wasn't great. Stupid blonde, flat hair. It's just like, get a get, get a better stylist. But I, I, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I did have a few problems with Rachel's hair in this film, <laughs> particularly in the restaurant, like the really nice restaurant. I was just looking at it, going, "It's a bit messy." She's got no time to be fancy. She's a lawyer. She's she's putting criminals no, away. I, I, I like it. I like that she's not like prima donna. No, I know, I know. But it's I'm not here sitting there going, "Oh, you should dress up for it." But I just know well, you it. are. I, the Fuck reason, up, Scrappy. The, the reason I liked it, I, just put some lippy on. Come on! I was just looking <laughs> so at it bad. as though the hair and makeup department just weren't there that day. That's what it read more like. At the fancy restaurant day. Yeah, the fancy restaurant day. They went. Oh, we, like, we don't. We don't need the hair and makeup. Isn't guys. she supposed to be like more down to earth? She is, but it was just a weird thing. I, I don't know if it was done deliberately to contrast with the fact that like Bruce and uh, Natasha, the ballerina, turn up and they're all preened and um, and glamorous and and things of that nature, showing. That divide. But she comes in, she swans in from Russia mm. and is just like, Where's the We vodka? need more government <laughs> officials and no vigilantes. And mm. it's just like, Oh, don't talk to us about government Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. I feel very strongly about the Start ballerina. Despise her <laughs> yeah. for her hypocrisy mm. and her totalitarian beliefs. Mm. And then they all go on a boat. Yeah, for I it. don't get that. So all the ballerinas are like, Yeah, why not? Oh, I, just, I just feel like he just pays them millions of dollars. Oh yeah, so as part of uh, basically while while um, while all this is happening and while you know we're we're seeing uh, we're being introduced to Harvey and we've got um, Bruce and Rachel sort of like not really getting along. In the meantime, the the criminals in Gotham are in a bit of trouble because you know the Batman's really making things difficult for them. Batman, and then the Joker. Yeah, do we just refer to the Joker as Joker then? No, that's different. His hi- that's a title because we're not friends with the Joker. Yeah, we're not friends. We don't know anything about his life. Do you know how he got his scars? 
I sure don't. Well, he did say a couple of different ways. Brushing his teeth too vigorously. Yes, that's exactly what oh, it was. Oh, my dentist warned me about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he brushed all the enamel off and broke his cheeks open. Um, yeah, the Joker turns up and basically offers, after the pencil trick, to kill the Batman. And um, the, yep. cri- the criminals don't take him seriously. Can we refer to him by his movie title? Not Batman or the Batman. The Dark Knight. There's a reason it's called The Dark Knight, guys. I'm going to stick with the Batman for I'm now. Me too. The Dark <laughs> anyway, the, um, <laughs> anyway he, he, he turns up and he offers to get rid of the Batman and everyone basically says, ah, get out of here, we're not going to believe you. you Buzz off, loony. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to do anything. And then over the course of the, the next half an hour, he sort of slowly proves himself. He kills Gamble because Gamble was just openly hostile to him. Showing Christopher Nolan's racist streak in this movie. Uh, yes, you did point out that... Um, the black cops in this movie just yeah. get like blown away super quickly yeah there's the one who goes up to the truck and is like hey pal you gotta wait here and the joker just kind of like pops around and shoots him Mm. and then there's the guy who goes back into the hospital for his friend who is then like oh sorry miss i didn't realize there was a nurse in here and the joker shoots him too Mm. i think it's partly i mean look the joker killed a lot of people in this film I, i i don't think he's a white supremacist but then he's like I don't, because he's like, I like to get to know people by stabbing them, but he only shoots the black people because he doesn't want to get to know them because Christopher Nolan's racist. I'm probably derailing this podcast. <laughs> well, in that case, he did get to know Gamble, though. He did he get to know Gamble. Kills him with the knife. Yeah, he so. had a real, like, he wanted to know about Gamble's, like, granny as well. He does that yeah. one line where he's like, nickel for old granny. Yeah, really like, gets to That's him. really personal. Yeah. But the Joker does that. He does get really personal with people. Like, yeah. you know, the fact that um, the Which cops... are cowards? Yeah, the cop that... Um, the uh, Who had the weird face, the one that you were talking about earlier, um, who who has the Rachel Dawes badge. Oh, the, David Dusmalchuk. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The fact the badge just says Officer Rachel Dawes. It's like he really gets into people's like personal detail and just like spits in their face, going, "Ha ha ha! I know this." Well, that's his um. Yeah. That was his way of being like, "We've got Rachel mm. as well." I was pretty sure. Yeah, he, that's what he does. He, he's just a he's just a scumbag who likes winding people up. Um, he works himself into this position of being taken somewhat seriously, though, and um. Obviously, the way he got their attention was by stealing the mob's money, stealing $68 million from them, forcing the mob, uh, or specifically Lao, to take all the mob's money and take it over to Hong Kong, um, which then takes us out of Gotham for like a 20-minute trip to Hong Kong film. Um, <laughs> where, great. Lots yeah, of directed shots. by John Woo. Yeah, and it was, it was fun. It was nice to see Batman operating outside of the Gotham environment and doing his thing. Um, but yeah, he goes out there. That's the reason we have the Russian ballerinas as well, so that Bruce Wayne has a cover story of being taking the entire Russian ballet out for a week and cancelling a load of performances for a big uh, boat party. I like that Alfred isn't like seedy old man when left alone. He's just like, tell them to put on their own suntan lotion, damn yeah. it. I've got to do my Sudoku. Yeah, well, he's, he's too old at this point. Like, and as we said, too tired. Yeah, and also, he's lived a life at this point. We know this. <laughs> burning, burning forests in Africa. Yeah. But yeah, he's just, yeah, tell them to buy their own bloody sunscreen lotion. Um, <laughs> I'll burn down their forest too. I'll burn this old boat down. Yeah. Then he can choose one of them to be Miss Congeniality. Well, there is that, but but he didn't, <laughs> which is a shame. I'm looking forward to seeing that in the threequel. The threequel, excellent. Um, so, there's so much in this film. I'm just, I'm just mm. trying to piece together where we are on the plot. Um, Russian Ballet. Wow. Batman Extracts Lau. So uh, oh, he yeah, brings so, Lau back, that's yeah. like the end of Act 1. Yeah, so Act 1 ends, Lau is arrested, and that allows Gordon and Dent to arrest 
all the mob. Yeah, they do the Rico. Yeah, just, just do the Rico operation, get all the mob arrested, and everyone's like, great, this is working. We'll throw uh, Harvey Dent a fundraiser. This this will be great. Um, and part of this is Bruce Wayne wanting to be with Rachel and realizing he needs to get rid of Batman to um, to to do this. And so he's like, great, if Harvey Dent becomes the protector of the city, then I don't need to be Batman anymore, so I can be with Rachel. And that's why he throws the fundraiser. Uh, but obviously it all goes tits up because the Joker starts going after those big figures in um, in the Justice Department. So he kills the judge that's presiding over the Rico case. He kills uh, Commissioner Loeb and tries to kill Harvey Dent at the fundraiser, but is stopped by the surprise appearance of the Batman. The Batman! Ah, the Dark Knight. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I was a beat behind you guys. <laughs> Don't remember who we were talking about. Yes, and... Um, Alfred? Yeah, Alfred, yeah. His um, throat must get so sore. I know, I feel like sometimes, because I don't know the film and I don't know the backstory and stuff, I say things that seem quite vapid, mm. but talking like this must really hurt your throat. It probably does. Breathes from the diaphragm. Lots mm. of uh, steam and... Honey and lemon water for Christian Bale. Mm, yeah, almost certainly. Almost Sorry. certainly. And, no, and, and nobody being on their damn phones while they're trying to do a scene. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll have that hissy fit. <laughs> um, no lights falling on him as either. Yeah. Oh, he does not like that. Well, who does like a light falling on him? Yeah, it's a good point. Hey, but... speak for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, all this badness happens. And for the rest of the film, it almost feels as though, like, Commissioner Gordon and Bruce Wayne and our protagonists are just sort of like trying to react and trying to get out of what the Joker's doing. And like it, cat and mouse. Yeah, but at every turn, like, the Joker has has them funneled in a particular direction. They're sort of always reacting the way he wants them to. So you've got, yeah. like, you've got the police commissioner's funeral, um, where obviously Commissioner Gordon takes the bullet, and we think... Gordon's, Is that Sirius Black? Yeah, yeah Sirius okay. Black, yeah. Gary Oldman. We think Gary Oldman's carked it... Um, because he saved the mayor from being shot. The mayor was never really the target, though. Um, it was it was all about causing more of this disruption. Um, and sort of, like, you know, obviously the death of Gordon freaks everyone out. Batman goes and, like, drops Sal off a building and breaks his legs, um, which he oh, reacted yeah. very strongly to. Oh, my gosh. It was a very... Big crunchy noise. Big crunchy noise, but I noticed you writing down every time I reacted to something. So I don't know what's in that book. But he does that when he figures out they've taken Rachel. Yeah. That's when he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, and so it's getting too much. And Bruce Wayne basically goes, I'm going to I'm gonna turn myself in. I'm going to turn in Batman. Just, just get this all done because people are getting killed. Because the Joker is killing a person a day. Mm. And then they call the press conference and Harvey Dent usurps him a little bit and goes oh i'm the batman harvey dent is the batman and everyone goes what 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 and rachel's furious at bruce wayne for letting harvey do that so she writes this letter basically saying um which we get to later basically saying that you know she's decided to go and marry harvey dent as opposed Mm. to and you you were very sad about that sam it's just so sad that like after we are we allowed to talk about the fact that Mm. oh yeah that talk, Rachel talk about whatever you want. Rachel gets blown to smithereens. Yep, she gets. It's such a sad, yuck ending. I think because I've been brought up on like Disney films and happy endings and stuff like that. It's mm. just very sad for Bruce Wayne because he's very alone. He is. He, he ends this film day. broken and, well, Batman ends up hated by everyone and and, yeah. and Bruce is alone. All he's got is is Alfred, who presumably mm. um, 
when the explosion happened and Harvey Dent got caught in it, he probably went, you're only supposed to blow Rachel bloody doors off. Is that been, how long have you been waiting to make that joke? <laughs> a couple of minutes. But is that in poor taste? Do we, anyway. Um, Maggie, get your not dead. So I think <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know the movie's not real. I right? like, I like, as bad as it sounds, I like that, I like that she died because it steered away from what I wanted. Like, I think I'm so used to seeing films that end up the way that I want it with a happy ending. I think it's really nice to see a film where you're like, wait, what the heck? Mm. And it, it can't possibly end in a happy ending because of that. So wherever it goes from there is kind of, you're just like, right, whatever happens, happens from now on. Yeah, world. it needs to raise the stakes because right now they've just been killing off kind of side characters mm. and no one yeah, really yeah. feel for. Because they bring, they bring Gary Oldman back. Yeah. Um, well, he gets like brought right back. Right before that. Yeah, he gets brought back when they catch the Joker as mm. part of like, oh, Harvey Dent is the Batman. So now he's being transported in the convoy, but that convoy is to draw out the Joker and Gary Oldman is disguised as one of the uh, SWAT cops. Um, and ends up being the one that actually catches the Joker after the brief showdown with Batman on the Batma bike. Batma bike! As, Batman biking around. Yeah, which was uh, pretty cool. The Darkna bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and again, another... The Dark Knight. <laughs> another great Sam reaction. When the busted up Batmobile turned into the bike. Oh, that was great. It was so good. It still It's so good. resourceful. Hmm. Why can't we all hide motorbikes in our cars? Well, I do. <laughs> struggles to get out I just do wheelies inside the car It's a little moped goes, oh, And that whole scene Just the cinematic experience of sitting and watching that truck mm. Go up and then fall on itself And then you telling me shortly after that it actually happened That yeah. real, it's not SFX Yeah, the way they did it is They essentially just put a massive pneumatic piston Underneath the truck Drove it to the appropriate spot Fired the piston Flips the truck over on itself it's Amazing uh, yeah, it's, absolutely amazing. And I think maybe the I think the only thing they do to it digitally is remove some of that pneumatic smoke that would have come out from under yeah. it. Um, but yeah, there's a behind the scenes thing um, in the actual DVDs or Blu-rays of this that shows how they did it and shows every different angle they shot it from because they shot it from like sixteen different cameras. You only got one one chance. Pretty much, but that but one that opportunity. shot. Yeah. That... <laughs> Will, will the real Batman please stand up? Uh, but stand up from the start. It was slim shady. Mm. But the thing, the, but that shot just front on truck. And they pull out all the sound. They pull out all sound. I love that, that like, though because there's so much sound. Yeah. There's so many sensory inputs throughout the whole film that this one moment, because there is no sound, it adds so much emphasis to it. My yeah. brain like stopped for a second and really kind of took that in. Mm. Similar, um, I think it was a really effective use of sound in the interrogation scene between Batman and the Joker, where they're sat in in that interrogation room, and Batman just is basically beating the crap out of the Joker. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think they, they, they sort of pull back a little bit on the soundtrack at points, and then bring it back in for those moments of violence, and those moments where Batman's just going, I have strength, and the Joker's there going, your you muscles don't do anything. It's like, I'm not... You can't punch your way out of this one, basically. And then, yeah, sets him up for the... Um, for for you have to choose one of them either you know the girl that you love or Gotham's White Knight. And Sophie's he, choice. Yeah, Sophie. Bru- Brucey's choice. Brucey's choice. Brucey's choice. Um, but Bruce obviously chooses with his heart and tries to save Rachel, but the Joker gave him the wrong address, so he ends up killing the one that he wanted to save. Poor juicy Brucey. Yeah, and um, <laughs> he juices. <laughs> juicy Brucey. And then when when obviously Rachel has died, um, Harvey doesn't get out unscathed. Half his face gets burnt off because it was covered in um, petroleum, and uh, he he becomes Two Face. 
And uh, uh, when you realise that there was another villain being introduced oh, into this film, Sam. It's just so exhausting in yeah. a great way. But it's just like, there's, I was like, there's enough going on. We don't need another bad guy happening mm. around here. because. And then you realise at the end, the Joker's like, Whoop! and then Two-Face is like doing, if not worse things. Like it's, I don't know. It's... But he's doing those things because the Joker created him, basically. Yeah, the Joker's just... Just a liar. He just lies. He yeah. says he has no plans. He plans more extensively than anyone else yeah. in this as, movie. As you were saying when we were watching it, you know, you don't walk into a room saying, I have no plan and have five grenades on a string. Like, that's, <laughs> that would take ages to do and do properly, <laughs> you know. You also, like, don't get caught by the cop. Like, the guy with the mobile bomb in his chest yeah. doesn't... It, the joke is just like, oh, that's right, I met that guy with a bomb in it. What's his number again? I'm going to mm. give him a call and hope he's in the same room as me. Where did he get the nurse's outfit from? Uh, probably killed a nurse. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sam. <laughs> yeah, remember from the costume shop, Scott. There's from a the costume shop. <laughs> sure. Uh, that there's um there's that theory that he uh, was a soldier that I really like mm. about the Joker about his background because you never know any of his background that he was like a sh- a soldier. He was like black ops. That's why no one has any details on him. They don't have any records because they've been expunged. That's how he knows how to use an RPG. So he knows how to use knives and guns so well and all of this and why he's a strategic planner, mm. um, which watching it just makes so much sense why he just wants chaos and terrorism because he's been like abroad in like mm. Afghanistan and the Middle East. Um, and he brings that back home. It's just like, I think a really interesting... Because he, he wages a civil war to the point where, like, the National Guard are brought in yeah. at the end and it's, for yeah. one man. It's, it's, I, I, everything, I think that theory has a lot of credence. And I he think. uses the locals yeah. as the expendables. He uses local criminals. He uses local madmen. He mm. doesn't have, like, a team of soldiers. Mm. He wages essentially guerrilla warfare, yeah. which is really interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I think is, again, thinking back, this film, they use the word terrorism a lot mm. and this is a film that was obviously released seven years post 9-11 yeah. really like you know george w bush was still the president of the united states so obviously terrorism was a big word was he 2008 that was when obama got elected he in november he 2008 yeah. yeah so this was during bush's last year yeah. um in in office so you know terrorism was a big keyword there and i feel as though it's it's a word which is sort of it, it's not as hot top, topic an issue in contemporary films it's still something that's brought up. It's still something that's utilised. But I feel as though mm. that that threat of, you know, the T word was, was much mm. more powerful in 2008 than it is now. Well, yeah, local terrorism isn't as fresh in our memories as it was Yeah, um, in the early 2000s. Hmm. And, um, yeah, so obviously um, you've now got Harvey Dent running around, flipping coins oh, and, and killing people. It's just a mess. Um, and he's instigated into doing that by the Joker, turning up at the hospital in the nurse's out, uh, outfit, basically going, just nothing's fair. So you should just have fun. Have fun, flip coins, get your vengeance. It's such a gamble. Hmm. It's such a gamble. Like, everything could unravel for him in that one moment. But I don't think he ever quite lets it. If, uh, one of the things that I noticed this time... <laughs> he has a gun to his head. He has the gun to his head, but he has his finger on the hammer. Yeah, right. That The gun can't fire the way the Joker's holding it. Yeah. Because the way he's, even though he's, Harvey's got his finger on the trigger, the Joker has his thumb on the hammer. So if he, if he tried to fire, the revolver wouldn't fire because he's literally holding the hammer Get in place. Finger. Now I don't, yeah. Now I don't know if that's deliberate, but I I, I sort of believe that it is deliberate yeah. because yeah, it's 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 planning. And it's, it's even even when the people in the boat 
he he has the detonator. Like yeah. he has that. He's ready to go. So yeah, he has move. a contingency plan if things don't go the way he wants yeah. them to. Yeah, it's such yeah. a dog move when he pulls that out. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah, ultimate planner. Almost as much of a dog move as using three dogs to try and kill Batman. I really don't like that. Let's keep animals out of movies. <laughs> okay. Unless that's it's how you like Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Mm. But that's how you know he's the bad guy. Yeah, because he uses, uses, uses dogs, dogs to hurt yeah. people. Whereas Batman merely uses the identity of bats. He doesn't actually get bats <laughs> to fight for him. Oh, well, he does famous. in the first one. Okay, but Remember in, when he does the Sona thing and the fair. bats all come in? Yeah, fair enough. But in this one, he's sort of like that. Like well, bats are not pets. Hmm. Uh, bats are vampires. Okay. Speak for yourself. Bats are all vampires. <laughs> they are all evil. But Tiffany? Um, the the hospital blowing up. Um, still, I think, maybe the best shot in a film filled with best shots. And you were speaking about the improv moment. Yeah. Um, the So the, that was a building that they dressed up to look like a hospital that they actually blew up uh, mm. because they wanted the real thing. And so Heath Ledger, as the Joker, walks out it, with that long shot, with things blowing up behind him, and it was just meant to be, he walks, he walks, there's a bigger explosion, he gets onto the bus, the bus drives away, but there was a delay. There was a delay in the explosions, and according to various people, according to the trivia, that delay wasn't meant to be there. So when the Joker turns around and looks a bit disappointed and starts banging on the um, on the detonator, that is all just Heath Ledger improvising, because you only get one shot at this, and... And it's brilliant. I think it's so good. Mm. Well, it's like an Inception when they blow that tower thing mm. and they had the life-size one and they blew it and it fell the wrong way. Yeah. So they had to then do that shot with a model and they were like, oh, we wanted to use the full building we blew up <laughs> and it blew the wrong way. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Yeah. I guess we'll use the model. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily this one could only really sort of fall down. So I really liked that. I was just thinking about this then is that a lot of films these days, because computers are advancing so quickly, have a lot of CGI and SFX and all those kind of things in it. Whereas this film, it felt like you're saying they're using real buildings, they're using real boats, they're using these big, big kind of um, explosive numbers. Mm. My, mind my pun. My pun? My pun. Yes. Um, but it just feels like you don't kind of go, oh, well, that's CGI, so it's not real. Yeah. Your brain kind of goes, oh, my gosh. Like... Mm. Because it's just it's a bit more tangible. All the effects are more tangible because it's real fire. It's, mm. it's all these things, which I think was really cool. Yeah, I mean the main CGI is Two Face, is is um, Harvey Dent's mm. scarred face, and it hasn't aged as badly as I thought it might have. It it still doesn't look really that realistic, but yeah. it's it's effective enough. I think it could be more moist. <laughs> I think he could have yeah. more of a phantom mask on yeah. for the movie. And he could sing. I think he needs to lament more with music. I agree. I think he does he need to, find to lament more. a nice lady more. called Christine. Mm. Put her in. Put her in a boat in some water. That wasn't a romantic relationship, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is for me and Jared Butler, though. Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> this film does conclude though with the Batman confronting the Joker in um, the construction tower. Um, but even though he captures the Joker and the SWAT team are able to get the Joker. The Joker still wins, realistically. He turns mm. Harvey Dent... He, he takes, as he says, he takes Gotham's white knight and brings him down to our level. And because of that, it forces the Batman to make a really, really difficult choice. And he takes the blame for the crimes that Harvey Dent did. And I'm curious to see what, what you thought about that, Sam. I think it's like the most... Um, I was... It's sort of it's true to his character, but it's also shocking because you realise how much 
Batman has to sacrifice because of his moral code, before, because of his rules and the, the amount that he is willing to give up mm. of his life to create peace in Gotham. Mm. I think that was amazing and I find like it's heartbreaking that scene of him just running and he's wounded and there's dogs coming after him and, and there's people running after him and, and you can see that he, again, it comes back to him being alone and giving up everything he has for other people, which I think is really mm. just quite sad and heartbreaking but amazing at the same time like when it says the dark knight at the end you're like yes he's amazing but he's very alone but he's still amazing the third movie undoes most of that feeling <laughs> yeah. that's where bane is that is where bane that is, is where bane is if you got to mug you can do yeah, the voice I've got Oh, this has still got tea in it. (laughs) It's harder with liquid. Well, you're just speaking to the Mm. cup. (laughs) I had to do that for a show. Just swallowed a lot of cold tea then. Okay. Mm. I hope you enjoy this. um. Yes. Bane, he talks a bit like this and he goes, I'm not quite the Joker, but I'm I'm pretty scary too. I blow up a stadium. I sound like a crow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he does a little bit. That's why, if a crow could speak, I think, Phil. Mm. I think, think I'm the bad guy? We digress. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is that as well. Um, but ultimately, Sam, uh, did you enjoy this? I really enjoyed it. But it, I think there's so as you guys were saying, there's just so much information. So we stopped the movie again for a little bit, and you were upstairs, Scott, and I just said to Stephen, okay, so is this the plot? And I would broke it down. Because the plot in itself, the through line and the, the objectives are pretty simple in the sense that the joker's there he wants batman 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 wants the joker a lot of other people are trying to help that but it's not working and that's kind of the the running theme throughout the film however there's all these kind of sneaky in bits that kind of uh, not distract you but kind of stimulate you more so it's a lot of um it's a lot of information all at once so i fe- it was a really good movie but it's the kind that i think i need to watch again I need to watch again yeah. and in parts even, just so I can pick up all the little things that you guys have obviously noticed from mm. watching it several times before. Mm. I was just trying to keep up. I feel like I was trying to just run alongside the film and, and make sure that I was getting the important points up, which you guys were making sure I did. But yeah, there's a lot of things that I think I missed purely because of the sensory overload that I was experiencing. But it's, I did really like it. It's a Ben-Hur level movie. It's the Ben-Hur of the of the modern age. It's an epic and it's Shakespearean. Spectacular. In its themes mm. as well, of downfall, of kings, of titans, of tyrants, yeah. of chaos. They reference it's, Julius Caesar. Yeah. Mm. And, mm. And it's a great reference. It is. It's just such a great reference. Yeah, and ultimately it comes down, this film comes down to what Gordon, Dent and Batman were trying to do and how it was undermined. Yeah. Would you guys like some Dark Knight trivia? Absolutely. Let's what get happens some... if I say no? Does it end here? Yeah, go go ahead. I won't tell you. <laughs> Give it that. to me, Juicy Brucey. I, uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, in Sir Michael Caine's opinion, Heath Ledger beat the odds and topped Jack Nicholson's Joker from Batman 1989. Now, that was one Ooh. of the things coming into this film is obviously there was a previous iconic Joker in the Jack Nicholson one, which was pretty, it's a pretty good Joker. But I think we probably all agree that Heath Ledger's was probably better. Uh, that movie's just not a great movie. I yeah. haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, well, Jack Nicholson did a pretty good run of the, of the Joker in the 1989 film. Yeah, I can imagine he would do uh, a tip-top job. prefer the Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer Batman film that like I think came after that. Yeah, because mm. the one with the Joker is the first one yeah. they made. Yeah. Um, 
but there was a lot of uh, thoughts at the time, particularly when it was announced that Heath Ledger was playing the part. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, whoa, whoa. It was, it was like, <laughs> on Australian? Yeah. All the Australians said. Yeah, they were oh, like, Bruce. Yeah. G'day, Bruce. <laughs> oh, Struth, we can't act. Yeah. Like, uh, not in them serious films. Maybe if he was Crocodile Dundee, he'd be okay. Why so serial? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what Michael Caine said was, uh, Jack was like a clown figure, benign but wicked. Maybe a killer older uncle. He could be funny and make you laugh. Heath's gone a completely different direction. He's like a really scary psychopath. He's a lovely guy, and his Joker is going to be a hell of a revelation to the picture. Uh, Kane bases this belief on the scene where the Joker pays a visit to Bruce Wayne's penthouse. He'd never met Ledger before they shot that scene, so when Ledger arrived and performed, Kane was so frightened he forgot his lines. That's so, amazing. Yeah, so when the lift opens and he goes, we're here, um, Michael Kane was meant to have lines and just lost them completely. So they kept that shot? Yeah. Seems like they're doing a lot of one-shot things in this film. What's it? Lucky, Nolan, <laughs> that you got what you needed to get when you got it. <laughs> Well, it's also... I feel like they improvise it. Yeah. And then they like it, even if it's not a yeah, perfect yeah. shot and go, let's do that again, but yeah. let's yeah. keep what you just improvised. Yeah. yeah. So it's it might probably. not be the initial shot, because it might mm. be like, ah, oh, this, this lighting's not quite right or whatever, but... Yeah. but the... Michael Caine just shot himself and you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> they just let him sit down for a while. <laughs> Lucky we put him in the brown pants today. <laughs> Um, in preparation for the role of the Joker, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. During this extended stay of seclusion, Ledger developed, uh, delved deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing the Joker's every tick, namely the voice and the sadistic-sounding laugh. Uh, for the voice, uh, Ledger's goal was to create a tone that didn't echo Nicholson in any way. Uh, Ledger's interpretation of the joke was primarily based on the chaotic, disheveled look of the punk rocker Sid Vicious, combined with the psychotic mannerisms of Malcolm McDowell's character Alec DeLarge in A Clockwork Orange. Oh, wow. And it, it a lot works. of kicking and a lot of hitting with sticks, which, yeah, is, which you can true. see from Clockwork Orange. And yeah, it, it is quite a punk rock looking joker as well mm. like it is a bit and you know neither of those characters uh well sid vicious was a realish person but neither sid nor alex are are people that you want to be like in any way shape or form and no. i think that's a really strong choice for making a for making a joker that almost seems believable that i think that was the thing that most blew me away with this film was it felt like to an extent, it could happen. Mm. It didn't feel like it was a comic book. It felt like it was yeah. those yeah. elements bleeding through into the real world. Yeah. It wasn't too mystical or magical or so far removed from reality that, yeah, you don't take it seriously. Mm. You still think this is possible. Mm. No ninjas. No ninjas, though, no. No ninjas. I was promised ninjas and I saw no ninjas. I told you, the Dark Knight is a ninja. Dark ninja. Yes. <laughs> um, I would say Christopher the Nolan's the racism ninja. coming out again. Mm. Um, we, I quite like Christopher Nolan. Any complaints, please direct them to Scott McArdle. <laughs> I just... Interstellar was too loud. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't and watched Dunkirk, so, but it's on Netflix, so I'm so going to watch Dunkirk yeah. very soon. Um, this film made more money than Batman Begins, its uh, previous film in the series, made in its entire domestic run in six days. Wow. So, like you're saying, a b- b- bit of a sleeper hit, Batman Begins. Well, yeah, for sure. And this film was just like, nah, blow it out the water. And they got all that money from Scott McArdle. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you say he saw it like seven, seven times? times? It's true. I saw it seven times and I sat in the exact same seat all seven times because I remembered what it was because I had the cup holder was broken. And then they like, it was the extreme screen at Hoyt's Garden City and then they redid it. Aww. And now the cup holder isn't broken. Why do you want a broken cup holder? It was just how I remembered that seat. Like I sat down, I remember sitting down for the first one, putting my drink in and my drink just fell. <laughs> 
why and I just we kind of just... went, huh? And then like, and then, just, there's then another one on the other side, I so I know, used that but one. Like... But it was just like, I remember when I went to sit the down the second time, and I was like, oh, is this the same? And like pulled the cup holder out, and I was like, it's the same seat. <laughs> and so and every then for the time... next five the next times, five it was the same time. seat. Because <laughs> mm. I was always like, back near the aisle. <laughs> the scenes where um, the Joker sent in homemade videos to the uh, GCN, the uh, Gotham News Network place. Um, Heath Ledger actually directed those videos. So Christopher Nolan was with him when they did the first one um, with the fake Batman. Christopher Nolan was there supervising, but Ledger directed it. And Nolan thought that it was done so well, he didn't turn up for when they did the second one with the reporter. He just let Heath Ledger direct those as, as essentially the character. And... Again, very effective, but like yeah. you say, very like gorilla in that sense. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it feels like a Taliban video. While the movie was filming a chase scene on Lake Street, the Chicago Police Department received several calls from concerned citizens stating that the police were involved in a vehicle pursuit with a dark vehicle of unknown make or model. So the actual people were phoning in because the Batmobile was driving around and making the Batman mobile, sorry, mm. as, as Sam dubbed it, was driving around and making <laughs> the a The dark NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. It's a cool car. It is. I mean, it's, Not it's, to sound basic, but yeah. it's an awesome car. There's a car. great chase in the first one. The first time you see it has like a great chase like yeah. across rooftops. Yeah. It's a little ridiculous. I want to know how much of the bike is real. That's what I'm thinking. Like, obviously, to get those shots... With him, would that have all been CGI? There was a real functioning motorbike. Yeah. Um, but for example, when the bike does the thing with the, the front wheel spins, oh around, yeah, that's that so would cool. be CGI. Yeah. And like the bit where it drives up the wall and turns around, CGI. Yeah. But a lot of those shots from behind, where he's driving through like shopping centres or all those, like the closing shots of the film where he's on the bike, those I believe are real. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. It's Batman. You got to have a working bat bike. That's- <laughs> That's how it works. What's the point? The Batman bike. Um, this film was obviously, it contains 37 minutes of IMAX footage. Um, and there were only four IMAX cameras in the world oh, at the time. And they broke it. And they broke one in the chase. And then in Ooh. The Dark Knight Rises, they broke another one. Yes. He just keeps breaking IMAX cameras. And they're very expensive. Yeah, that's why there was only four in the world. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, they broke one in the, the SWAT Joker van scene. So, Can you uh, imagine how scared you would be if you were the camera operator or whoever damaged it? Yeah. Like, when you damaged it, it would yes. be like... A moment of silence for that it would, person. <laughs> it would be like damaging, like, one of the wonders of the world. Like, oh one of the gosh. limited edition wonders of the world. Mm. Or the queen. It'd be like damaging the queen. It'd be like <laughs> punching the queen in the face and chipping a tooth. Yeah, don't damage the queen, guys. People don't like it. There's um, not many left of her in the world. Yeah. Um... Even though Christopher Nolan offered her the part, Katie Holmes decided not to reprise the role as Rachel Dawes, or more specifically... Tom Cruise. ...decided that she shouldn't. Uh, no. Instead, um, she... In fact, well, what they say here is instead Kate Holmes decided to star in a film with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah called Mad Money, the other big hit of the Yeah, <laughs> You're, that was the rival for the box office. Um, I don't want to get... But it doesn't... None of the females in the film have... It, any real agency agency they don't change the film in any way one female character she dies to yeah you were saying about the put her in a refrigerator well women in refrigerators (laughs) is like the comic book term that comes from a green lantern comic where he came home and found his girlfriend dead stuffed in a refrigerator and it was this string of 
superheroes' girlfriends dying, Gwen Stacy, um, Lois Lane, to, to further the emotional and character progression of the male protagonist. Mm. Which is kind of what Rachel Dawes does, but it's interesting because it's a crossroads for Bruce and Harvey. Yeah. Um, but it still feels a little bit gross, she even though it's an incredible moment. She could with a sack of potatoes, really, and she'd have the same impact if they just really loved those potatoes. Mm. Sorry, I just had to bring that up. No, no, no. It's, it's a perfectly valid point because, I mean, the other women in this film, you get the judge that gets blown up. Yeah. You've got... Uh, that woman Barbara- who gets punched in the face. Yeah, Ramirez. Uh, you've got Barbara Gordon who just sort of cries a bit. Vladimir Putin's betrothed. <laughs> uh, Natasha the ballerina who raises some good points about democracy, <laughs> Scott. No. No, okay. Um, yeah, but you're, you're right. It's- all, the, all the ballerinas on the boat... Who Sam thinks don't look like ballerinas. I don't know. I've seen ballerinas' legs and ballerinas' <laughs> legs are That's not what you said ripped. when we were watching. Well, I'm not going to comment on that on the podcast because that's not appropriate. <laughs> she was talking about their boobs. Well, they, they just... I, and their legs, but I said boobs. Some of the other actresses that were considered. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, Buffy. Yeah. Oh, no. You can't put Buffy in something where she dies before men. No, 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 no. Okay. She's Buffy. Uh, Isla Fisher. Another Australian. Oh, she died like... in um, Great Gatsby. Yeah, she got hit she by a car. The, she was the oh, hoochie mama. Yeah. yeah, she got hit by the car. Yeah, and she um, flies. And... Well, Joel Edgerton, another Australian like mm. Aaron Eckhart, um, uh, hits her with the car. Mm. I do love Isla Fisher. Emily Blunt? Oh, Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. Oh, she, she would have done it quite enough. well. She, she only eats cheese in The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> she would have done it quite well. She was really good in A Quiet and Place. And the other one here is Rachel McAdams. Oh, yeah. yeah. She got the short straw of superhero movies when she did Doc Strange. What a what a bad role. That's like one yeah. of the worst, worst roles. Having in now movie. watched Doctor Strange, yeah, in terms of like... It, it, What's the point? It, yeah. Her, that, that, yeah, that, that film... That film has a cape with more plot device. It's 100% <laughs> that cape has more personality yeah. than they gave her. Yeah. It's not her fault. It's just an awful role that made no sense. They were just trying to do Pepper Potts again. Yeah. Because it's uh, essentially Iron Man redux. Iron Man with magic. Yeah. Um, which nice. is Iron Man. Oh, no, they both have good facial hair. Mm. Um, the first four days of scheduled shooting saw no filming take place. That's because Christopher Nolan screened two films a day for the cast and crew with a break in between. So these are the eight films he made them watch to get them ready to make this film. How many of them are made by people of Cullen? Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's coming for you. The eight films are Heat. Oh, yeah. Cat People from oh. 1942. I've never seen it, but I... Why? I I just I hope it's about cats just living their daily lives. <laughs> um, Citizen Kane, mm. King Kong from 1933, Batman Begins because you probably should watch the first one. <laughs> um, Black Sunday from 1977, A Clockwork Orange, and 1953's Stalag 17. I can see why he made him watch Heat. Yeah, it's a mafia film because the opening ten minutes is Heat. Yeah, <laughs> it's thank Christ. Yeah, but, heist. but yeah. So for those of you who uh, want to delve a little bit more into why the Dark Knight is the Dark Knight, watch those eight films and see what you can pick up. Um, the day on Gordon's security camera photo of the Joker from from the bank heist was the eighteenth of July two thousand and eight, which was the US theatrical release date. So if you were in the cinema watching the film on the day it was released, you'd oh, know what day it was. Yeah. Cool. Mm. I enjoy that. I also we need to do a shout out to the bank manager. Yeah. yeah, he's great. He's wonderful. <laughs> what is he in? I'm looking him up. He's in everything. That's he was what... in an, an 80s movie where he pulls a gun out of his stomach. Oh it's like, a, or a, it's, it's like, 
you don't need to include this in the podcast, but it's like his stomach vagina, and he pulls it out. Hmm. And I oh, I've I've just took it, looked at a photo and clocked. He's the um the federal marshal who's bringing Kate back to America in Lost, who like hunts her in her flashbacks. Right, that's who he is. Okay, what's what's the actor's name? William Fisher. Fitchner. He's in heaps. Mm. William Fitchner. Fitchner. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Um, some of the actors that were considered to play the Joker. So, obviously, Heath Ledger nailed it. But here's how different it could have been. Paul Bettany. I don't know who that is. Uh, Vision in the Marvel movies. And He's he was flying. also in Solo. Yeah, he was in Solo. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he could have potentially done a good job. Um, Adrian Brody. Ah, Adrian Brody's in The Pianist, where he he won an Academy Award for being oh, like I really need for, to watch more movies. just like oh, it's a Holocaust movie. Mm. Uh, Steve Carell, no, and I would have loved Steve Carell to play the Dark Knight. No, he'd just be like, you but miss all the shots you never take. Oh, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Scott, the Joker. Oh, so he's to play the Joker. Sorry, I missed that. But yeah. I would love... <laughs> were you thinking this was for Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Carell for Batman. Just Steve Carell, Steve Carell as Rachel but Dawes. Steve Carell as grew as Batman. <laughs> yeah. I can be the hero the people deserve. No annoying sounds. <laughs> uh, and the other one here, which I remember from the time, was Robin Williams. Oh, wow. That would have been very interesting. Mm. Yeah, I could I, see that happening. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For an older actor. Yeah, for sure. maybe not this type of Joker, but certainly a version of the Joker yeah. that I think could have worked quite well. Yeah. I mean, him from one hour photo crossed with him from the rest of his career. Could have been. <laughs> Can, he's also done the, the, the hospital scene in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, of course. Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire as the Joker. Mm. Let's. While um, this film was being made, so was the other big hit of 2008, Wanted. Um, <laughs> Oof. The Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy With the bendy film? bullets. With the bendy the bullets. Bendy bullets. <laughs> um, they were neighbouring productions. Morgan Freeman uh, worked oh, yeah, on both, both films. Um, at one point, wanted comic book writer Mark Miller visited the Batman set without permission. <gasps> Security found him sitting on the Batpod and had to escort him off the set. <laughs> Is Mark Miller related to Frank Miller who wrote the Dark Knight comic book? No, I think they're... I don't think they are. Different Millers. I, I think, think it's an AR he for is a, Mark Miller. Yeah, it is. And Frank Miller's ER. Yeah. Mm. Um, a video game adaption was in production but was cancelled due to technical difficulties in development. The game was picked up by the British game developing company Rocksteady and reworked into 2009's Arkham Asylum. Such a good game. Mm. And sort of features the, uh, the the weird sonar vision stuff as well. Yeah, the, it does. You're the, right. Yeah, uh, the detective mode. Hamill does the voice of the Joker, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's the, Mark Hamill. The iconic Joker. Yeah. Well, that's the iconic Joker in my opinion. He What's does the first. iconic Joker sound like? Um, it sounds like Amazing. Mark Hamill um, being really super creepy. I'll tell you what, um, I'll get Scott you to know. get up a clip of it and we'll play it for you after the podcast. Okay. You, you know who Mark Hamill is, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah, he, yeah, good, good. Luke Skywalker. in the Star Wars. Yeah, he is the Star Wars. <laughs> we'll play a clip for you afterwards. Uh, but for those of you who obviously haven't heard it, um, I can't put it up here for legal reasons, but just Google Mark Hamill Joker and you'll hear a very good version. I was hoping that, that Scott up. would give me an impression of it. Uh, I'm, go- I'm good at Heath Ledger's Joker, but I'm not very good at Mark Hamill's Joker. Mm. I always used to do Heath Ledger's Joker in high school for people. Like they would ask me to do it in drama class a whole bunch. <laughs> can, we, yeah. can we hear your Joker? <clears throat> What's a good one? Um, I'll Let's, do the dog chasing the... Yeah. 
I'm like a dog chasing a, a car. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I actually caught it. It's pretty good. It's nice and manic. I'm the Batman. Oh no, you're here. <laughs> I'm the Batman. Yeah, because I, I, I quite liked trying to do the Joker's voice back in the day as well. Because it's, yeah. just, it's just a fun voice to try and slip into. I think I've seen you like in a Joker cosplay before. I did dress up as the Joker in 2008. Yes. In a in a costume for costume parties. Yes, uh, I think I did see that. It was it was fun. Yeah, it was it was a great costume. <laughs> it was it was like it was just really good fun to dress up as a homicidal. I see a lot of people dress up as the Joker, but only until now do I know what it's all about. Mm. Um, two actors that were considered to play Sal Maroney instead of Eric Roberts, Bob Hoskins, <laughs> and James Gandolfini. Yeah, look, <laughs> Gandolfini is a great last he, name. Mm. <laughs> He's not a wizard. We thought you were going to talk about the fantastic, uh, wonderful actor from um, The Sopranos, but no, Gandolfini is a great. It's like last name. an Italian version of Gandalf. Yes. <laughs> you shall not pass. <laughs> you shall not pasta. Hey, Um A couple of other. Oh, uh, Hugh Jackman was potentially Harvey Dent. That would yeah, have been interesting. He's pretty squeaky clean. The, I love Hugh Jackman though. In the in the um, oh what is it? The the new Batman game that come at the the um, oh what are the, oh, who the, do the Game of Thrones the Telltale game? Yeah, Telltale. Um, Harvey Dent in that is like more of a Hugh Jackman build in my opinion okay. from looking at that. Um, and a couple of other Jokers, um, Sam Rockwell. Oh yeah, he's a bit weird. He was mm-hmm. se- seven psychopaths <laughs> and uh, Hugo Weaving. No. No. Australian, so he's got the Australian points. Yeah, he's 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 good, but no, I think he's clean cut. Yeah, I think because Heath Ledger he's... played in previous played such a, I suppose a stock standard protagonist in the ones that I've seen anyway. I yeah. could be very wrong, but he he was in the Knight's Tale and um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Those are the ones that I've seen, mm. and he plays such a I suppose just handsome, handsome, complicated guy or. Just yeah. With it, like, whereas this, he just is so different. So it's very, yeah. It's very shocking to see him in this role where he's completely yeah. separate from himself. Mm. Compared to so many other actors, he came as a relative blank slate. Mm. Like he's relatively unknown when he did this. Re- like he'd done ten things I hate about you, but mm. he wasn't like big blockbuster material. No. So it's quite a clean slate. Whereas like you see Hugo Weaving, you're like, oh, you're the guy from the Matrix. Yeah. Like, you're the he agent. Came, uh, you're Priscilla. Yeah. Or from Priscilla. Yeah. Um, I mean, he came into this off the back of Brokeback Mountain. So, you know, that which was oh, yeah, sort that was, of like... That was relatively big. That was big, but that was like his first really big thing. My mum loves that movie mm. to the point where I refused to watch it for so long because of how much she loved it and would play the soundtrack. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just not going to watch it. Oh. <laughs> I was so like it. 13 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what a good son. Um, and finally, the total body count in this film is only 36 in terms of on-screen deaths. I feel like more died. Real, yeah, realistically. Yeah. How many people... Did the Joker kill? Millions and billions and oh, billions. Out of the thirty-six, <laughs> yeah, out of the thirty-six, how many of the jo- how many did the Joker kill? Thirty-five, like everyone except no, Harvey. No, because um, Harvey Dent killed six or oh, five or yeah, six. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. then thirty. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's all I remember. The number that I've got here is thirty-four, but I think it might be a little bit lower because I think Harvey kills two and Batman technically kills Harvey. Mm. So, but it's about 30-odd. Like, he kills most of the people we see in this film. But there's a really interesting thing. The Joker only looks at three of the people he kills. 
And who are those people? Um, he shoots the bus driver while looking back at the hostages. Yeah. Uh, two of Gamble's thugs he stabs while looking up. He kills Gamble while looking at another thug. He throws the cigar lighter, uh, the cigar that kills Lau, whilst talking to the Chechen. Um, he, he generally doesn't look at people um, when he kills them. Um, the three that he looks at are the thug he kills with a pencil, because got to get the aim right, uh, the policeman stopping the semi-truck before the chase, and the policeman that's clearing the hospital while he shoots the pistol uniform. I know what you're going to say. It's two black guys. They're all they're all black characters, yeah. They're all played by black actors. Yeah, even the guy... Yeah, the pencil guy. I yeah. forgot because he's one of Gamble's dudes. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> I, before, I just want to say, I thought a really great part of the whole thing... Heath, like, Heath Ledger's performance of it is when he's sitting in the jail cell and he's put his legs together and he's got his hands on his lap and he honestly looks like a schoolboy. That's the part that really sticks out for me mm. that I was like, oh my gosh. Like, Love his clap. Yeah, <laughs> the clap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can Sorry, see I that, right? That up, no, no, it, it it's before. a really good point to bring up. Um, the character choice there, well, there was a reference to the graphic novel The Man Who Laughs in which it's mentioned that the Joker just opened fire and didn't even look at the people while he killed them. And so they worked that in as being something where he just doesn't really look at people when he kills them. That scene where he is in the jail cell, though, is like the only scene he's not wearing the coat either. So he's quite, he's smaller. Mm. He's very much smaller. And he has his sleeves down like a schoolboy in school. Because, yeah, rather than like a bit, yeah, it feels a bit weird. Mm. He looks very different in that comparative, Mm. compared to the rest of it. Yeah. One other thing before we finish, um, the boat scenes. Because obviously that was very tense. Uh, with are the people going to blow up the other people's boat? The people obviously on the um, the normal commuter boat are like, we should kill them. They're all prisoners. Whereas obviously on the prison boat, um, the uh, low rent Michael Mike Clark, Tyson, <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan, or whatever his name is, um, oh, the yeah, gr- yeah, Green yeah, Mile yeah, guy. Yeah, um, yeah. The the sort of uh, budget version of him throws the controller out the window. Basically said, I'm going to do what you should have did ten minutes ago, and just throws it out the window. Um, I used to not really like that scene that much. And I, on this viewing, now sort of realise why it should be there and why it's important. I always felt, I always felt originally The Dark Knight was a film that had a perfect first two thirds and then that last third just kind of trailed off a bit. Mm. But watching it this time with, you know, a few more years of experience and, and some slightly different viewpoints, I really liked that final act. I think even though it is a bit slower, I think, and you are a bit tired when you get to the end of it, it's it's quite good. And I think the the fact that neither of the boats do blow each other up is important for the ultimate message of, of what ba- Batman's fighting for. Because if those boats have blown themselves up and then Batman ha- <laughs> has to stop Harvey Dent and kill Harvey Dent, basically, that would completely destroy Bruce Wayne. Yeah, well, if the boats blow themselves up, what is he fighting for? Yeah, the 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 people are not worth saving. But the fact that neither of the boats blow each other up, I think, is what ultimately keeps him going for the Dark Knight Rises. And you see the Joker's reaction when he realizes they haven't done it is like really powerful because you you see a a true reaction yeah. for the first time that isn't choreographed, rehearsed, and performed. He actually didn't think that it would turn out that way when. Everywhere yeah. else in the film, he's had complete control over everything. And then you see that he is the man with the plan when he pulls out that extra detonator. But the, yeah, the boat scene feels, it feels like it's treading ground that the movie's treaded with bombs and choices. It feels like the Rachel and Harvey thing at a bigger level, which I understand. But the SWAT fight, in the, the fight in the um, construction place is the bit for me that I kind of tune out where I'm kind of like, it's not the best fight 
in the movie, it, mm. it feels a bit panicky. It also feels like it could be very easily solved by Bruce when he figures <laughs> it out, just being like, hey, Gordon. Like, it, but it, it just feels a little bit Gordon's already left sloppy. by that point because he knows that Harvey is his family. Bruce doesn't know that, though. Bruce yeah. doesn't, isn't aware that, that Harvey's had that call. Yeah. Um, I, so it feels a little sloppy. Yeah. I feel like the boat scene for me, and this is just because I first time watching the scene, purely because so much has happened in the movie, that was when I was getting the most tense because at that point I just hadn't, I was, I was being very vocal going, if they, they're going to press the button and then the other person's going to press the button or they're going to choose to press the button and then their boat's going to blow up because they chose the wrong, like they chose the immoral decision or something like that. So I felt for me, I actually liked that scene because mm. you're in such a tizzy from the whole film, Bruce Wayne going to save Rachel, and then it's actually Harvey, and you just you have no I idea. Felt, what's I felt like happen. I was completely at the mercy of the Joker, yeah, and I had no idea which way it was going to go. But then, obviously, I'm really happy the way it went, and I think it showed. I think it was like thank goodness because you see that we well, hope that humanity is good mm. deep down, that we are predisposed to be good as opposed to bad, mm. and the scenes before that when there's yeah. civilians trying to kill everybody or trying to kill Reese. Reese, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Reese. Yeah. Common Reese, yeah. Which we haven't even really touched on. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things we haven't touched on. Oh we haven't touched gosh. on the henchman with the bomb in his gut. You know, things... Oh, that was gross. <laughs> One of the Arkham guys. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's got voices in his head, so you assume he's another Arkham in- yeah. inmate. But, mm. um, but we are coming to the end of this podcast, um, and... I generally make a rule a podcast shouldn't be as long as the film. So um, <laughs> let's let's score The Dark Knight. And we'll start with you, Sam, because this was your first viewing. What score would you give The Dark Knight out of 10? Three Batman mobiles plus another two Batman bikes out of five out of, five out of three. <laughs> <laughs> three, <laughs> so it's- three Joker. <laughs> I really liked it I give it 10 out of 10 Because I like the film okay. I was trying to do something mathematic But that's not my strong suit <laughs> 10 Batman bikes out of Batman bikes <laughs> Okay 10 out of 10 you, you absolutely loved it I really liked it And I'd like to watch it again Except mm. actually no 9.5 out of 10 Because I just don't like That the dogs were in there And I would have preferred More female stuff 9 out of 10 <laughs> Okay Okay so it's down to a 9 But yeah Okay Scott what would you give it? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 to be pencils um, <laughs> to be put into people's heads um, because I think it lacks representation. I don't think it's a very diverse movie. Um, the, the lack of representation. Um, I just, if they just me. change some of the casting, like obviously... 100%. Like Harvey, just, just make Harvey Dent a female DA. Like, yeah. And I, I think it's at a time where there's... You're doing a comic book Mate movie, Gordon, so you're very loyal. Yeah. You're very loyal yeah. to the comic and, book. But. I mean, this, this, this film came out... It's the same year Iron Man came out. Yeah, and it's before you know the big Marvel revolution in films, and I think, I, I yeah, it. I mean, for me, it's. I don't think any subsequent superhero films have matched it, in terms of, of in terms of what they've done. I think there have been films which have done very different things and have been very entertaining. I think there's been films which have had really good messages and better representation, mm. but in terms of just being a wonderfully enjoyable film and just so well-constructed and so tense. I don't think anything has matched it for me, at least. And yeah, and look, Nolan's diversity problem stretches yeah. far beyond this. Yeah, and I would give I would give The Dark Knight... It is one of my favourite films, and this viewing has not changed that. Um, <laughs> so I would give it 10 
um, hidden shoe knives out of ten um, because oh, yeah, there was underused, shoe underused yeah. classic Joker. Yeah, imagine just chopping up your apples with that. <laughs> well, just you get a real bad back, kicking them and just chop, 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 chop. Yeah. Well, um, that was the Dark Knight, and Sam and Scott, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you very much for having us, and I'm the Batman. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's okay. You're welcome. And um, Scott, obviously, happy birthday to you on this day of recording. And yes. by the time this is released, though, um, you will have relocated to the, uh, Gotham the, su- City. the sunny shores of Sydney. Yes, um, my choice being a, a quote from the Dark Knight. Madness like gravity, it just takes a push. And uh, Boeing 747. Yes. Um, but yes, you're, you're relocating to Sydney. Maybe only for a few months, maybe forever. We don't know. But um, this might be the last time you're on the podcast for a while anyway. I'll come back a ninja. A Batman ninja. Yeah. Batman ninjas. The Batman McNinja. The dark ninja. Yeah. Well, McDonald's should do a McMahon McMeal. <laughs> Yes, I agree enthusiastically. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, you know, we've still got two other films in this trilogy that we've got to show, Sam. So when you, oh. when you come back... <laughs> off my poor little let's baby. watch them all in a day. Gotta watch them all. <laughs> Juicy Brucey. But yes. Juicy Brucey, um, yes. more. Have a, have, a, um, have a very safe trip over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Bye. For those of you listening at home, uh, thank you very much for downloading this episode. Uh, we're available on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there for more information and updates. We're also available on Patreon. You can become an official member of the club and go to patreon.com forward slash podcast and get some bonus material. Uh, and of course, make sure that you're subscribed to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other podcasting or podcatching service. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The Batman. I'm the Batman. I'm the Batman. <laughs> you have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.